Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Adjusting to Life podcast, where inspiration comes to life. I'm your host, Dr. Lorona Gore, and today I'm having a conversation with Dr. Eddie Vincent, a cancer survivor from Woodland, North Carolina. Dr. Vincent, welcome to the show. Good evening, Dr. Gore. So how are you doing today, or this evening? <clears throat> I'm doing wonderful. I just thank God for another day. Amen. So I'm glad to um, have you as my guest. Um, so I just want you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Eddie Vinson. Uh, I'm a native of Woodland, North Carolina, uh, which is located in northeastern North Carolina. Um, I attended Elizabeth City State University, and uh, I've been working as a science instructor now for the last 28 years. Wow. And and also been uh, in ministry uh, by that 30 years. Amazing. So we actually met at Elizabeth City State University years ago. Um, yes. That's where we got our start, right? Um, so I do want to mention, too, you're also the senior or executive servant leader at Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church and apologist in the- theology. And you serve as a second vice moderator of the Northampton County and vicinity Missionary Baptist Association, and you serve on the Board of Trustees of the Eastern Carolina Christian College and Seminary, correct? Yes. So um, to make a long story short, you are extremely busy and definitely very um, active in your community, and we thank God for that. But if you could um, tell us a little bit about what happened, what was life like before you um, got your diagnosis. I'm understanding this happened in 2018. You were diagnosed with cancer? Yes. Um, <clears throat> prior to 2018, I was a, a young man, you know, uh, in good health, uh, basically enjoying life, very busy, demanding uh, schedule. Mm-hmm. And, and back in 2018, uh, after my 48th birthday, I was sent to the doctor's office and they was concerned about iron in my body, which was, you know, low. So um, they ordered me to get a um, some tests done. And, um, and basically when the test came back, uh, they was uh, very alarming. So they couldn't understand why my body, particularly for a male at the age of uh, 48 years old, was so low. So in doing so and trying to at least get some answers, they ordered a colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. And the colonoscopy procedure went well with the exception that they said that they found a mass uh, near my up intestines, near the appendix. And they sent it off to the lab a couple of weeks later, and it came back benign. And that was good news, very good news. And of course, I went to uh, get the procedure done where they was to remove the tumor. Mm-hmm. And initially, as I uh, forestated, they said that the tumor was benign, non-cancerous. But in the process of the procedure, 
they began to remove the mask and they discovered that I had 24 lymph nodes that was cancerous. And I was just in total shock because there was no types of science that I could discern mm -hmm. physically mm -hmm. that was going on with my body. And when they told me that, I was like, okay, what is going on here? Because I have been this person basically all my life uh, that believed God for supernatural things. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I said, well, Lord, how could this possibly happen for me when I, you know, preach and talk divine healing and things of that nature. And what I couldn't understand from the Lord, how is it that I can pray for others and they will see different types of healings for their bodies that can be medically proven mm -hmm. or even in cases of being in comas for weeks and just wake up. But then I found myself in a place where it was strange for me. Mm -hmm. And it was a challenge of my faith. But this procedure went well. They removed the 24 lip nodes that was cancerous. Mm -hmm. And from then on, you know, I had a series of follow-up and tests. Right. So that diagnosis was very different. It was a rare form of cancer called neuroendocrine carcinoid cancer. Okay. And on a very small percentage of people are diagnosed with that. And what was explained to me is what is that cancer can show up as tumors, basically in the part in your body. And all of this was new for me and it affected me emotionally, mentally, mm -hmm. and of course, physically. And it became more intense because after my cancer diagnosis back in May of 2018, and after I had to get uh, several weeks of infusions of iron, so back in April 2018, you were diagnosed with severe anemia? Yes, and that treatment plan went on for several weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, in June of 2018, I began to feel very uh, weak. And I concluded that maybe it was from the iron infusions. So they were treating you for not the cancer they were treating you for the iron deficiency. Yes. Okay. Yes. And after the infusions of iron, they was going to give me further um, uh, treatment as it related to the cancer. Okay. Uh, whereas they started off with the treatments of a lot of blood work, mm -hmm. bi-weekly, uh, CT scans every two weeks, because they discovered that eight of those um, 
eight lip nose was affected by what appeared to be an aggressive form of this cancer. Mm -hmm. So they ordered more tests to be done. However, before I can really be dealt with with the cancer challenges, I discovered that in June that my body began to shut down. And as I was stating, I thought that I was reacting to the infusions of iron because uh, in the past, you know, when I would try to take iron, I didn't do well with it. But as I went to the doctor, I remember being in the house in a typical June day where the temperature outside was nearly 100 degrees. And I was sitting in my home wrapped up in blankets because I was so cold. And my body began to shiver. And little did I know that after I finally convinced myself to go to the doctor, while I was in there, they asked me how I was feeling. And I said, well, I'm feeling pretty okay, just a little cold. Mm -hmm. And they did some tests. And before I know anything, they had called the rescue squad, called my family, and so forth, that uh, they had to rush me to the hospital immediately. And what I didn't know that my blood sugars have reached over uh, 500 and something. And at the same time, I didn't realize it until hours later when I literally passed out, whereas they kept me at the local hospital for about six hours trying to work on me because I was having acute renal failure. And then that process with their acute renal failure, they discovered that I had a six millimeter kidney stone that was in my left kidney. So you know, everything that's in the art war, I'm, I, I mean, I just don't know, didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And all I can remember is that they put me in the rescue squad and they rushed me to a regional hospital. And I remember them taking me out of the rescue squad. And Basically, I blanked completely out. And then they was able to bring me around for a moment. And I remember the urologist telling me that if they couldn't do this surgery this evening, that I will be on dialysis the rest of my life. And this here was like starting from late that morning through the evening to now 2 a.m. in the morning, where I realized later 
that I was uh, at the cancer center in level five of what they call critical intensive care. And they said, unless we try to put a stent in your kidney, you will have to go on dialysis. So I agreed uh, with the surgery. And then the process of me agreeing, they started the procedure. And from what was shared with me from my wife and family, uh, that I read cold blue and that they were losing me in the procedure and that my entire body was in septic shock. And I'm like, what's going on, you know? But I didn't realize that from that, they was able to briefly revive me. Whereas I failed in a coma, then they briefly revived me in order to try to finish the procedure. And they had to keep me in a comatose state for three to five days so that they could not only treat the original diagnosis of cancer, but now I hear these other things going on, and that was just one phase of it. Through the month of June, it started. I started feeling bad towards the uh, last week of June, and I decided to uh, go to the hospital on um, July the 3rd. Okay. And from that period, that's when my health just started to decline for over a series of months. But prior to that, you didn't have any other, any health issues that you were aware of? Well, I went from septic shock to near death, to what total renal failure, to a six millimeter kidney stone that they could not do surgery on me because my body uh, was too weak. Mm-hmm. Um, then they became concerned with my heart. Right. I had all types of tests done. And then they end up discovering a spot on my lung. And I said, what? And all of this is happening so fast to mm-hmm. I receive a diagnosis of rare form of cancer. I end up having total renal failure because I'm the of a six millimeter kidney stone, which I was not showing any pain from that kidney stone. And just from that point on, I spent more time um, with specialists 
in the hospital, from one regional hospital to another regional hospital. Um, and I guess from that April of 2018 to just to that end of September, I've been in over 30 different medical facilities. And at some point your mother got sick as well. Yes. During that time, um, my mother was shielded from what was going on with me. Mm -hmm. And she got very concerned because I was there, you know, we was two peas in the pod. But my family could not bear to share what was truly going on with me. She knew that I had become ill, but she was unaware of the cancer. She was unaware of the septic shock, being going in a tumor or, you know, near death. She didn't know about none of those things because they wanted to keep it from her. But then my mother, I believe, because she began to actually worry about me and got angry with my family because they really wasn't telling her. But and from did. that point... Mm -hmm. But she said something was wrong. Yes. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I do remember my mother saying to one of my brothers, that's my baby, that's my baby. Y'all ain't telling me what's going on with my baby. And then my brother humorously said, well, it is not the only child you have. And mama said, oh, I know, but that's my baby. That's my baby. Yeah. You know? And then, like I said, her health began to decline also uh, to the point where I was sick and got to the point that at one point I became vegetated where you know I couldn't do for myself mm -hmm. and I had to muster enough strength to do what I could for my mother and her health just from like that starting in the August uh, all the way until especially in November when I began to gain a little bit more strength, but not well. I have just declined and I lost not only my mother, uh, but the best friend that I ever had. And that was extremely devastating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could barely take care of myself, but I did all that I could to muster strength and was still there for her. Still there for her. But, um, you know, I always ask myself, and I would never know it, but I've always asked myself that my mother sets my health 
to the point that she was willing to allow God to take her on so that I can try to get myself back together. And Dr. Gore, that's something that I think I will always ponder and probably carry to my grave that her love was so great for me that because of the challenges that I was having, that she herself did not want that weight to be on me. And uh, and I don't know that, but in my quiet times, I fear that that may have been the case. You know, um, uh, because I was so strong for her and so strong for other people that uh, I could barely be strong enough for myself physically. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, and I share with the people, that regardless of what state I found myself in, physically, mentally, and emotionally, I never lost my faith in God for who he is. And I believe even now, I believe that's one of the reasons why God allowed me to experience things on the level that he did at that time. Because so often, especially in ministry, so often it is a lot easier to preach and minister to others, even sometimes of the things that you have not experienced. But then when you have experienced them, it allows you to be more sensitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allows you to uh, be more empathetic, uh, whereas we can begin to really know how to minister effectively. Because through this experience, my whole perspective changed from a person that was doing quite well for himself. You know, overall, career-wise, ministry-wise, health-wise, family, and so forth. And then God allowed this. So let's pause pause right there for a moment. If you can kind of elaborate on that, on how you felt um, when, like you said, life was great for you, your career, ministry, everything was going great, and all of a sudden, this happened. If you can just talk about what that felt like. You know, I was really devastated because I said, Lord, I prayed 
for so many people, even here the opportunities to be in meetings where we believe God for healing and, you know, has seen God use me in that way. But I couldn't understand why God, why was this allowed to come upon me? And to this day, there is no type of medical reason why this occurred. There's no explanation why this occurred in my life during that time. So I'm asking God what is going on. And then I felt like, okay, I believe for others. Now I find myself in the dilemma, but I had learned in that that it's a lot easier to believe God for others than you can believe him for yourself. And God had to allow these things to happen in my life to reconstruct me. Because I remember my mother telling me, Eddie, you need to slow down. You're there for everybody else, from career to ministry, through community to family, whereas you don't have enough time to even really take care of you. And I remember my mother saying that God really had to slow you down, but I didn't know that it would be like that. I did not know that. But, and I didn't understand that then. But I understand it now. Because my faith level is at a height that is unprecedented like never before. You looking at a man that the, once it leaked out to the community, that basically everybody was preparing for my obituary. Mm. So how do you know that? Because it began to unfortunately leak in certain places because it was very covered by my family at that time. Even a mom, uh, except for very close people uh, within the ministry, mm -hmm. whereas I did stop ministering for several months mm -hmm. because I just didn't have the strength. And I guess that when some people that know me well began to see me going in the oncology unit, of the hospital, that's when things began to, well, you know how it can be in small communities. And then people began to talk and um, 
in the word got out that uh you know uh pastor's very ill uh we don't know whether or not he's gonna make it or pull through but you know the most interesting thing at that time dr gore is that even though i was in a weakened state that i would have to muscle up enough strength to talk it would take me 10 minutes to think to get someone to help me to use the restroom or do other things but yet even like now when people themselves were going through crisis yea though i was weak in my body yet there was absolutely nothing wrong with my spirit i found strength from my innermost being and that's that is the thing how I made it over, and how I am making it over even now. 